So once again, good morning to everyone. <clears throat> it's really great to see so many familiar faces here for our alumni going away mass, particularly some faces that I have not seen in a long while. So hopefully get a chance to visit a little bit after mass. So I had prepared a homily all week um, for this solemnity of Pentecost, but yesterday, maybe about 15 minutes before mass, I decided to call an audible change it, um, and sort of did an extemporaneous homily, uh, based off of the fact that I saw the theme of decoration for our party today and yesterday, and as probably are not surprised, people chose to decorate it with a Star Wars theme. And so, I didn't know how the homily was going to go, I was overall happy with it, I don't think I landed it very well, so I edited it. And so we're going to land today's homily like an X-Wing at the docking bay on Yavin 4. <laughs> at least we're going to attempt. So uh, I want to sort of address a question that some may have. People know that I, I like Star Wars. And why is that? Why, why am I interested in it? Well, one, I guess I'm a nerd, so that's the first one. Uh, but number two, I was born in 73. The first Star Wars came out in 1977. And so Star Wars and the figures and the spaceships and everything defined my childhood. I remember the first time watching that Imperial Star Destroyer on screen that kept going on and on and on and on as it was chasing the Rebel Blockade Runner. My mind was blown. And so it really, for me and for a lot of people, it defined my childhood. It became part of who I am. But there's another reason. And this reason is sort of the theme for our reflection today. I, I challenge you to reflect on this fact. Consider today what other pop culture reference or theme or reality that was released almost 45 years ago this month, 44 years ago this month, still has an impact on our culture. Not just an impact, but almost an ubiquitous impact. It's everywhere. Two generations now, still no Star Wars. You're not going to find anything. In fact, if you go back to 77 and you look 40 years back, you're not going to find anything that continues to affect pop culture and sort of the, the way that we understand our world in the same way that Star Wars did. And subsequently, all the other movies that have come out have been generally garbage, and we're going to explain why. <laughs> because the first set of Star Wars films had something the other ones didn't, and that was myth, story. This is the reason that I love Star Wars. This is the reason that Star Wars still has an impact, because it's not just simple, boring science fiction. There is a story there. If you studied Star Wars and you studied your myth, you'll know that it is the hero's journey. The monomyth that Joseph Campbell, the comparative mythologist, has put out and the hero with, or spelled out in his book, The Hero of a Thousand Faces. And what George Lucas maybe didn't intend at first, but literally then afterwards began to intend, was to use that archetype of a hero who didn't really know who he was or where he came from, who went on a journey, who had a mage or a wizard that sort of guided him in search of a princess, in search of adventure, 
ultimately in search for his identity and his father. The monomyth, whether it be something that was done thousands of years ago or 44 years ago, use archetypes that speak to us as humans. This monomyth actually existed in American culture, uh, particularly in film for the middle part of the 20th century, in Westerns. All George Lucas did was basically take the Westerns and put them into space. That's the reason that the other films were terrible. Not only because George Lucas directed the prequels, but because there was no myth. There was no story. There was no arc, particularly in the, the, the last ones that came out, the sequels. There was no coherent narrative. We as humans want narrative. We want story. And so we look to Star Wars as sort of the contemporary myth. Because we as humans need myth, need story, need narrative. I think as much as people condemn our culture and say it's bad, at least we're telling stories. At least we're still telling stories and understand the importance of myth. I guess in a certain sense it depends what kind of story, but that's for a different homily. Star Wars still continues to have an impact 44 years later because of myth, because of story. And if you think that's impressive, let's go back 2,000 years. The Christian story, the Christian narrative of Christ, 2,000 years later, still impacts culture. Throughout the whole entire world, a billion Catholics are Christians around the world. This is amazing. Now, I'm not trying to say that Jesus was a mythological figure. That's not what I mean by myth. If you listen to my homily from earlier this year, you'll understand that. That all the myths, all the heroes find their fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus took those archetypes and made them historical. They lived out in reality in the world. But even Jesus understood the importance of story. He told stories. He knew the stories from the Old Testament, the legends, the parables. And so Christ's parables... And the Christian story still has impact today, 2,000 years later. No, even though we appreciate Star Wars, and we appreciate the Christian story, part of the problem of our faith and why it tends not to necessarily attach to people today, the non-generation, is because I believe, along with certain other individuals, that, that we've lost that sense of the Christian narrative, the Christian myth, the Christian story. There's not a coherent way of understanding it, and therefore, it's not as attractive. It doesn't draw people in. We've got to regain the narrative. We've got to regain the story. We've got the sense of adventure, what it means to be a hero, what it means to be anchored in Jesus and his passion, death, and resurrection. Now, how do we regain it? Star Wars has the force. But as we all know, the force is not real. But we, who have been telling the Christian story for 2,000 years, have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is real. The third person of the Trinity. Who is the key to understanding the story? It's the fulfillment, the outpouring of the Spirit on the church. If we receive the Spirit, then it makes Scripture come alive. We understand who Jesus is. We get the narrative thread throughout salvation history. 
and it leads us to the truth. But I think there's something else, more than simply having the Spirit and understanding who Jesus was and the importance of the sacred story. When I was a kid, I used to use my imagination and play Star Wars with my friends. We'd use our little action figures, and sometimes we'd want to be the heroes. I never wanted to be a good guy. Terrible costumes. I didn't look cool. Darth Vader, the bounty hunters, they looked much cooler. But no matter if I played Boba Fett or if I had my little action figures, I could never become one of them. We could never be, be some type of a bounty hunter or Sith Lord or Jedi Knight. It's only my imagination. But with Christianity, because of the Holy Spirit, we can and must become like Christ. It's the Spirit that makes the mystery that happened 2,000 years ago present today, primarily in the sacrament, the Eucharist the representation of Calvary in an unbloody fashion, but also in our own lives. Go read St. Paul. Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ is supposed to be formed in us. We are supposed to become living examples, living experiences of Jesus through baptism through the gift of the Holy Spirit, not figuratively, but literally. Christ should live in us. And so we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism. This is the anchor, but we've got to live a life in the Spirit through prayer, through frequent reception of the sacraments, paying attention to the way the Spirit anoints certain situations and the way, as he did Paul and the early apostles, led them to spread the gospel. And so it helps us then in our own lives to see in faith how the narrative of our life makes sense, our individual lives. If we're called to be like Christ, then our life has meaning. And this is the problem of nihilism I talked about last year. If we're nihilists and there's no meaning, and everything is random and a product of chaos, then guess what? Our own lives have no meaning. They're just separate events here and there. There's no thread that interconnects them. It can't make any sense. It's not going anywhere. But for us, we believe if we are in tune with the gift of the Spirit, then the Spirit illumines our minds. There's no despair for Christians because we realize even though it may not make sense now, somehow it all will make sense. The Spirit is working. God permits certain things, as terrible as they may seem, for a greater purpose. But we're just not going to know it at the present moment. It's kind of like the first Star Wars. After Luke goes in search of the droids, find Obi-Wan Kenobi, and they get back, and he goes and he sees that Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru have become little crispies by the stormtroopers. They got fried. And he's sad. But he understands if this wouldn't have happened, he'd have stayed there moisture farming all of his life. Because this evil thing happened, that he now can leave the planet of Tatooine to go and pursue the adventure of becoming a Jedi Knight. And so things happen to us, things that don't make sense. Why did God permit this? Why do I have to suffer in this way? Why is this going on? But if we are living a life in the Spirit, 
somehow we're going to be able to say it all fits into the narrative somehow. He allows it because it fits into his plan. Not just for us as individuals, but for us as a church, for us as the body of Christ. Notice in the, in the scripture, in the Acts of the Apostles, the Spirit never descends on an individual. Always descends on groups of people gathered together. Because we, as a whole, are the body of Christ. And this includes our parish here at Wisdom. It includes any sort of small group. Whether it be parishioners, whether it be the students, whether it be alumni. And this is the reason I decided really to talk about this. Over the course of the past, let's say, few months, I've been reflecting a lot on my past 11 years here. I know there are a lot of stories. I told a lot of them at the Linton Mission. But what I've been trying to do in prayer and reflection is trying to piece it all together to be able to see how the Spirit has acted, to see that golden thread that runs through the past 11 years through all the joys and through all the struggles that we've encountered. Fortunately, many more joys than struggles. And so, looking back, I never thought I'd be sent here. I thought I would be stuck in Evangeline Parish for the rest of my priesthood. <laughs> preaching, preaching to the rice fields. And so I remember the day very clearly. I was in California. I got the call, and Bishop Gerald said, you're going to wisdom. I didn't apply. Seven other people did. But he chose me. Why? I don't know. Maybe he was following the Spirit. And so I, during my course of my 11 years here, have tried to do the best to follow the lead of the Spirit. And so over the years, I believe the Rebel Alliance has grown larger and stronger, and I have not yet gone over to the dark side still living in the light. And I trust, looking forward, that he is still going to guide me, guide y'all, and guide Father Broussard as wisdom moves into the future. In conclusion, even though we didn't pay attention to it when it first came out in 77, uh, the actual title of episode four of Star Wars, the first release, is called A New Hope. A New Hope. Hope is central to our belief in the Spirit. Hope is what gets us through uncertain times. Hope is what makes us still think Star Wars redeemable in seeing little baby Yoda after seeing those terrible sequels. There's still hope for Star Wars, but there's hope for us. There's hope in the world, there's hope in the church. The Spirit is the thread holding our past together to our present. We need to discern that. But it also is the one that points to the future. That no matter what happens, the evil empire can find the rebel baths on Hoth and destroy it. Luke can get his hand cut off and whine and complain about the fact that the reality of Darth Vader is his dad. But there's still hope. You don't give up. And for Christians, it's much more than some narrative or myth. It is reality. The victory that Jesus won 2,000 years ago in his passion, death, and resurrection, still alive today. And we can have hope because the Spirit 
helps us to believe in truth that he has risen and triumphed over sin and death. Amen.